Monday. 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 Open wide, dev fans. Get ready to stuff your face with JavaScript, CSS, Node modules, barbecue tips, Git workflows, breakdancing, soft skills, web development, the hastiest, the craziest, the tastiest web development treats. Coming in hot, here is Wes, Barracuda, Boss, and Scott, El Toro Loco, Tolinsky. Welcome to Syntax. In this Monday hasty treat, we're going to be talking about tidying up your code, why it's important, uh, why you should definitely take some time to look at old code, look at code that's been there, or even look at code that you're currently writing and, well, just make it better for you and your team. My name is Scott Tolinsky, and with me, as always, is Wes Boss. What's up? Hello. I'm excited to see what parts of my code bring me joy today. Yes, I'm excited to uh, talk about the code that brings me joy as well. And something else that brings me joy is (laughs) Sentry.io, which is an amazing way to track all of your errors, exceptions, and bugs. Now, Sentry integrates with so many things that you already use in your tool chain, and it does so in such great ways, such as GitHub, Heroku, Slack, Bitbucket, Jira, HipChat, GitLab, just so many integrations. If you head on over to century.io forward slash integrations, you can see all of the amazing things that they connect with. And one of the things that I really love to use Sentry with to integrate is directly into my GitHub issues. I have a bug. I can just click one button and it goes ahead and creates a GitHub issue based off of that bug. It can reference it within Sentry and my team can keep track of any sort of issues. Now, there is some serious connections to a lot of different stuff. So again, I highly check recommend checking out that integration page and seeing just about everything that Sentry can possibly connect with. So head on over to Sentry.io and sign up today using the coupon code TASTYTREAT and you will get two months free of Sentry. Now, I I highly recommend this is one of those services that once you start using, you're not going to want to stop. Once you once you pop the fun, don't stop, as they do say. So Check it out, century.io, coupon code TastyTreat, all one word, lowercase. Awesome. All right, so we are getting into tidying up our code. So if you didn't hear the last uh, or two two episodes ago, Scott was talking about the new Netflix special from, what is it, Marie Kondo? Yes. And she has a Netflix special called Tidying Up. And uh, she also has a book and it's just this kind of like Japanese method to approaching tidying up your house. And Caitlin and I sat down and watched a couple episodes the other day and uh, it just makes you want to throw all of your stuff out. (laughs) It makes you want to throw all of your stuff out. That is very accurate. We only could watch one at a time, though, because it stresses you out so much (laughs) with like how some of these houses are just terribly messy. The second one. uh, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But uh, that's what we're going to do today, but with our code. So we're going to approach some tips and tricks to tidying up your code. So if you've got maybe a couple hours here or there that you you want to spend some time on imp- improving the code quality, these are some tips that you can use. So I want to kick it off there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think we have a, a fun little structure for this episode. I think it's going to be pretty fun because we're sort of following a lot of the things that she does in both the show and the book. So uh, first thing we wanted to talk about was removal. We're going to be removing things that are in our code base that we do not need. Now, this one should go as sort of common sense, right? If you don't need some code, then why would you have it in your application? But in reality, we all know that that's not the case. And and as time goes on, you end up with 
thing after thing that maybe you were going to use or you thought about using or you installed this library and then you changed it or maybe you never even maybe you never even took off the idea that you thought about and then before you know it you got all this stuff in your code base that you're not actually using in any sort of meaningful way and one of the biggest ones in this is unneeded comments right how many times have you had a block of code and then you're thinking yeah, this block of code is a hunk of junk, but maybe there's something in it that I want to be saving for later. So you copy it, you comment it out, and then maybe you rewrite it, and that commented out block just sits there and sits there and sits there. Uh, I, I like to think about it as like something you put in the back of your closet, right? You're thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull this out again at some point, and you yeah. n- almost never do. And if you're using some sort of modern version control software, If you ever need to pull it out of your closet, you can pull it out with the version control. You can go back and look at that commit. So delete any commented out code. Do not leave commented out code in your code. It's bad. I agree. I think my my one tip there is uh, when you delete it, make sure that the commit is just for deleting that code. Yes. And make sure you make the commit very descriptive as to what you are removing, because I've certainly in the past done that and not been able to find the commit where I did remove that code. And it's a bit frustrating. So making sure that you can easily reference it later. Something I, I, I can't even remember what it is off the top of my head right now, but somebody like showed me an app the other day where you could put these pieces of code where oh, you're yeah, not necessarily using them. Yeah. What was and I was like, yeah. Well, if you <laughs> hold on, maybe we can find it. We just took a look around for it and we think that it was on product hunt somewhere or on Twitter. If you know what this app is, let us know. Obviously, there's lots of other applications that you can use to organize your code snippets. But I think like just dumping code that is not useful for you in your application, but in some sort of app would be helpful or even like as a GitHub private gist would be would be helpful as well. Yeah, I put them in just all the time. Yeah. Awesome. Also, another thing you can remove is unused CSS. And this can be a bit of a tricky one if you don't necessarily know what unused CSS is there. There's a bunch of tools out there. The Chrome DevTools now has a audits tab that will show you this. And then I think there's some other tools. Yeah, there's a handful of extensions and tools and libraries for your your build system, too. And there's even some things in your, I don't know, like in Webpack or whatever that can just automatically remove unused selectors. But I don't know. I haven't used them, so I don't know how much to trust them or if you should trust them or any of that stuff. Yeah, that, that's a tricky one. I think that's the beauty of using like JavaScript modules and, and even CSS modules where if you have a or, or even just like importing CSS files into your, your SAS process, because if you no longer are using that thing, then you no longer make it into the final build. Uh, and that's beautiful because you don't have to sweat it as well. I always remember going into websites where I had lots of extra CSS and lots of extra JavaScript, and I didn't know if it was used or not. It was a fairly large website. There's been seven or eight developers through the website before me. It's just, it's tough to know that. And uh, I think the tooling around that is getting much better because uh, it's almost impossible for a a developer to go through that unless you were to have like uh, a regression, a visual regression test uh, built into every single page on your website. Yeah. And like, cleaning your house, the longer that you wait to do something like that, the worse and worse it gets and the harder it's going to be to do a full redo. So uh, putting it (laughs) off only makes it worse. And in the same regard, there's, you know, occasionally unused functions and and things like that in JavaScript that could potentially be being rolled into your final bundle, right? If you have some utilities functions that you intended to use or, or you're not using and you're not splitting them out properly or you're just, you know, 
stuff that you're holding on to that you think you might be using, you don't need to keep it in your code. Again, you can put it in a, a gist somewhere, you can save it somewhere else, and you can have it there for when you need it. Uh, the last thing you want is a bunch of extra code that is being downloaded to your user that's not being used, right? I mean, I think that's just a big thing. So uh, do you have anything else for removal? No, no, I think we should move on to the next one, which is organizing. So once you've, this is the the whole Marie Kondo thing is you put all your clothes on the bed and you you remove the stuff. Oh, and the, the, the hilarious part we forgot about removal is you have to thank it oh, yeah, for yeah. its service. I, so I, I have, I, I kid you not, I have done that since watching this show. I have unironically done that. Oh, thank you for, for what you have done for me, Code. I'm going to delete being... you now. A great shirt. Thank you for being a fantastic date parsing function. Yes. You've done your work <laughs> just well. So once you've thanked your functions, it's time to organize the ones that you want to keep around. Um, and this is this is a really good one because when you start a project and maybe one or two years in, your code base can look drastically different. And sometimes when you start a project, it's not necessary to have like a very rigid structure or you don't even know what that structure might uh, look like. So I think it's important once you have lots of code to refactor it into just like not necessarily changing the code, but just moving them into different files and folders into a system that works for you. And uh, who better to talk about this than Scott, who is master of refactoring? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I th one of the keys to this, too, is having tests and, and a process to make sure that you're not breaking anything. But I do. I love to reevaluate the structure of my project in different ways all the time. Maybe look at areas that should be broken out into their own fold. Like maybe I have one folder that's now got 20 files in it, right? And I'm thinking, are all of these files truly related that closely? Is there some sort of other more tight relationship that I can store these in to make it maybe a little bit easier to find or understand? So I definitely love looking at my my structure and sort of where things fit best. And, and I, I'm not afraid to change that stuff because it can be better. And once it's better, it's easier to find. It's easier to navigate and understand. It's easier to add on to. And sometimes there's a, um, you know, we've talked about this before with an index file where you can have an index.js file that imports and exports things so that, well, instead of importing from a file, you're then importing from a directory as a named import. And this can be really super cool. But again, it sort of not great for code splitting. So I pretty much only use this for things like styled components. But sometimes an index file is cool. And I think sometimes um, I think, I'll, well, some systems can really benefit from it. Uh, I know some people definitely overuse it, but you know, whatever works for you. Again, it's your system, it's your project, it's your code. You want the system to be something that works for you and your team, uh, not for me or Wes. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Anything yeah. else for, for organizing as well? Just also know when to break out your components, things into a new file, when to create a new component, when to create a new file with uh, functions or whatever. Maybe this thing's just getting a little overboard. Like for instance, I had you know all of my subscription functions or my mutations for subscriptions, right? And there's a whole bunch of them, but then I started looking at them and thinking, well, you know, a lot of these mutations or these functions, they're not actually doing anything with subscriptions themselves. They're actually doing something with the customer object. Some of these things are doing something with the user object. And it makes more sense to put these into a different file that's all, you know, user-based or customer-based. And then while the subscription one just got a lot lighter, a lot easier to manage and a lot easier to parse where I'm going because they're actually not that closely related. So being able to take a look at things and know when to break them out into their own file, when to keep them in a larger file. And uh, I think that's a skill that is maybe something to just keep on looking at. 
Absolutely. Last one we have here is tidying up. So this is where you actually uh, go in and start to refactor some of your old code. So Scott and I are obviously big fans of map filter reduce on this podcast. Anytime I can tear into a any piece of code, maybe it's a for loop, maybe it's something that someone used unnecessarily used something like Lodash for. I even did this on the what was it? The Gatsby blog starter. Yeah, they had used uh, Lodash and they had used a couple other like un- unnecessary dependencies with the for loop. And I went in there. I was like, hold me back. I'm going <laughs> to re- refactor everything to map filter reduce. And I did. I submitted a pull request. I was really happy about that. So nice. <laughs> Uh, anytime that you can, you can do that, you can often bring down the complexity of your code as well as the, the amount of lines of code that you have. Yeah. And I have a note here that this is not, not ironic. (laughs) This is not ironically, does your code spark joy? Like, I know you could say this as a joke and it is sort of a joke, but like at the same time, how many times have you opened a file and have just been like, Ooh, I don't really want to work on this particular thing right now because it's, it's ugly. It's a tangled mess of functions and blah, blah, blah. Or maybe it's one giant function that, you know, is very scary to you. Or maybe the CSS itself is just a, a tangled mess of who knows what or whatever. I mean, there, there are, we've all had times where we've opened a file and just sort of dreaded working on a particular piece of code. Cause maybe you don't know what's going to break. You don't know, uh, you know, it's just no fun to work on. So for me, I like to think about things like this. I don't like to have sections of my code base that I would dread working in. I like to have all of the aspects of my code base to be something that I would enjoy writing or expanding upon or using again. I can tell you offhand right now, like maybe two or three files that I'm just not happy with right now. And I I think most of you maybe can have those gut reactions as well. So does this does this file make you afraid of it is a is a good indication that you need to start going through it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think kind of on the same thread as well is think about other developers who will be going through that code at some point, and it might be a good time to, like we said, refactor it. And I should say, like, because a code is long and it gets shorter, that's not necessarily always better um, because it could be just much harder to comprehend and much harder to understand what's going on. So in that vein, I would say make sure you go and add comments to your code. I know there's people out there that say, like, your code should just be self-documenting and, and it should make sense. And I don't buy that one bit. (laughs) I think good comments in code explaining what's happening, edge cases, why you do things a specific way are extremely helpful both to your future self as as well as other developers. Yeah, there's always times when you're writing the code and you're like, I know exactly what I'm doing right now and I'm going to know exactly what I did here next time I look at this. And then the next time you look at it, you're like, huh, what did I do? Why did I make these choices? I sure was being clever. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, a good, a good comment and you don't have to go overboard, but a good comment is going to help. And one of the here's a here's a hot comment tip, a hot comment, tasty tip is to use the better comments VS code extension. It is magnificent. It gives you different color coded commenting systems. So if you have an exclamation point, it makes the comment red. If you have a, a question mark, I don't know, there's a whole system to it. And I use those nonstop, especially for things like to do's or yeah, uh, warnings or yeah. Yeah, I love that that VS Code plugin. You can do to do and it makes it orange. You can do put a star and it makes it green, mm-hmm. which is important info. You can put a bang 
which is exclamation mark. It's that that'll make it uh, like an error. And then you can put a, a question mark in it. It'll make it slightly lighter. And then you can also put another comment in it. So if you comment out a comment, like double comments, then it will just cross it out and make it really dark. So you're, you're not necessarily seeing it. Huge fan of that uh, codex. I'm not always a huge fan of things that are editor specific like that, because there's still comments at the end of the day, but the person has to have that thing installed in order to actually see the colors, but it degrades so nicely just to uh, regular comments for anyone else. It's so nice. Um, another yeah. thing that we have here is um, we were joking that this is like the folding your clothes aspect of this whole thing <laughs> is using a code formatter like Prettier and ESLint or uh, something to check your accessibility features, like especially in ESLint or any of those things, because you can sometimes you can set them up to auto format or whatever on save. You click save and everything just looks pretty, looks nice. I uh, folded all of my clothes in the Marie Kondo method. And now every time I open my drawers, it sparks joy and I feel great about it. So uh, this is this is so fun to me because, yeah, again, when you when you save a file with prettier and it cleans it all up and you're just like, yeah, I like this. It looks nice. Yeah, um, here's a question. When when you're adding Prettier or ESLint to a project that previously had not had it, do you do the entire project in like one commit where you reformat it all? Because the sort of downside to that is that you you wreck all of your Git blames. Yeah. Or do you just do it as you, you edit a file? Uh, you just kind of save that file and then that file gets updated for formatting. I do it as I edit a file. And I would assume that yep. there's still files in my code base that have never been touched by uh, my current ESLit settings. Like sometimes I open up a file that I haven't touched in like a little while and there's just like a bunch of red underlines and I'm like, okay, this does not adhere to my new formatting rules. I'll take the time to clean it up right now. Uh, so no, I yeah. don't do the whole project at once. I'm actually kind of scared of that. Yeah, I do it file by file as well, because in addition to prettier formatting, I often will get ESLint errors. And then I often like to take the time to figure out, like, I really like ESLint errors because it tells you why it is. And you have to go and research why is what I'm doing a bad thing. And then you go and research it and you you make your own decisions and you either turn that rule off mm -hmm. or you rewrite the code to, to actually fix it. So um, I really like that as well. And that, that helps you both but get a better code base as well as continually build your own ESLint settings file. That is exactly how you like to code. Exactly. Next thing we have in here is going to be our little last one here is our CSS. And we all know CSS can grow to be a giant monster, especially if you don't have a system from the beginning and maybe you're, you don't have a team that develops a system or maybe you had a system and it's been two years since you wrote that system and now the uh, the application no longer just has this and that, but it has this, that, that, and the other thing and a billion other things. And then you have a whole bunch of exceptions, a whole bunch of patches to your CSS. And before you know it, it is crazy. So CSS is one of those things that every once in a while, if you can take the time, reevaluate your whole system, look at it through fresh eyes and see if it can be more elegant if you rewrote it from scratch. And then that's like that's a big commitment. It's a big, big, big commitment. But even just seeing how you can keep and maintain a system or if you don't have a system, see if you can initiate one. It's going to it's going to make things way, way better. It's going to make your file sizes smaller. It's going to make your code work better. And uh, I think there was there was a really great talk from Nicole Sullivan on object oriented CSS. It's not necessarily I don't remember. It was a while ago. 
And uh, she, you know, is, is sort of famous for going into Facebook and really tuning up their CSS and saving them a monstrous amount of kilobytes and megabytes and all that stuff. I, I forget the blog post. We'll have to look for it. But I think there's just that's definitely worth a look at to, to see how you can organize and, and keep your CSS in a better way and maybe reevaluate it. Yeah, this this is from Nicole Sullivan, who sort of like pioneered the whole idea of object oriented CSS. This is before BAM or yeah. any of the things that we had. And I was just looking at the date on this thing. It's February 4, 2009, which is it means it's almost 10 years old. It's amazing. I remember when this came out. A lot of us are just starting to pick up these CSS principles where we're using some sort of system, whether that's CSS and JS, whether that's BEM. And this was 10 years ago, which is way. So obviously she pioneered a lot of of what we have today. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was just been such a huge fan of her work for so long. So definitely check out everything she has to to post on CSS. But that's pretty much it. I mean, you know, your code, like any other physical space you're in, the worse and worse it gets, it can feel like it's like the walls are closing in, right? It, it feels tighter. It feels harder to work in. It feels like less fun. And even though, you know, this whole maybe spark joy thing could be viewed as sort of a joke, it's it's not really. If you think about it, it really can affect your day-to-day life. And I think it's important to take a look at some of your code and, and see if it can be better. Great. Well, thanks for tuning in and uh, we will see you on Wednesday. Alrighty. Peace. Peace. Head on over to syntax.fm for a full archive of all of our shows. And don't forget to subscribe in your podcast player or drop a review if you like this show. 